0: Hey, this is Matthew Preifogel. Thanks for tuning in to the Thrive Ministries podcast. I hope you like it. I hope it brings you encouragement and brings you closer in your walk with Christ. So here we are. It's the day after the Super Bowl, and I'm guessing you are either wildly excited or you are vowing to never, ever watch football again for the rest of your life. Um, I kind of get it. <laughs> I kind of get where you're coming from. But uh, either way, I hope you are doing great. I hope you are uh doing well. And you know, where we are, we just uh, came through a, a a terrible cold week and now we're, you know, it's right now outside it's raining and 50 some degrees outside. So uh yeah, you got to love you got to love Indiana weather. It's the best. All right. So I wanted to um Kind of kick off this next few series of messages with our Thrive podcast and talk about this idea of community. All right. Uh, because it should be the goal of the church. And when I say the church, I mean believers of Jesus. It should be the goal of the church to build community within the walls of your church. You know, by that, I mean your, your place of worship to build a a sense of community inside that church, but then not just that, that, but you grow that outside the walls of your church into your surrounding area, into that community. And I think that's really important for us to do as a church. And because it starts with us, right? This idea of community, it starts With each other, and then it goes outside our doors. And so I think it's a good thing to focus on this idea of community. And one of the places you can start when you look at this idea of community is the early church, because they were known for a few things, but they were known for for three main things, I think. Uh, Number one is their love for God. Unquestionably, they were known for their love for God, Uh, also, their love for one another. Okay, uh, And also a desire to introduce Jesus Christ to everyone that did not know him. And so that was what their community was all about. And because I think really as a whole, um, I think we we've lost our sense of community. You know, I mean, think about it. It used to be that you knew every single person in your neighborhood. All right. If you live out in the country, then you would know. All the farmers, you would know uh, which fields are theirs. You would know where their kids live, where the grandparents live. You knew all these things. In fact, right now to this day, my mom will call me, and she'll be like, "Matt, do you remember the Wilsons? They live in the gray house over on eight hundred. Remember them?" And then she would share some news. It's not gossip; it's some news about the Wilsons. All right, but but we've lost that man. We have lost that sort of community you know it's getting uh, harder and harder to find these days honestly and and unfortunately the church is is kind of in the same boat a lot of times because here's the thing and I I, I will I will pound this message because here's the thing we are not if you're a Christian, being a Christian is not meant to be done by yourself. Okay? It's not to be done by yourself. It's not something you're to take on all on your own. In fact, Jesus would tell us in the book of John uh, chapter 15, verse 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So if you're on your own, you aren't doing anything. But if you're part of me, then you'll grow fruit. But also, notice, I love this. He uses a plural use of the word branch. I'm the vine, you are the branches. All right, we are many branches that connect back to a single vine. So, we as a church are a community of people that connect back to one thing, and that's our relationship with Jesus. Even when you look at something, like the Lord's Prayer. all right. Let's look at that real quick. It's in Matthew uh, chapter 6, verses 9 through 13 where Jesus tells his disciples, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So there's a whole lot of, you know, kind of interesting pronoun use going on in there. And I I think that's Jesus reminding us that we are a community of believers because when we give our lives to Jesus, when we accept, accept him as Lord and Savior in our life, when we're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we become part of the body of Christ. And what's good news for us is that we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit, and it's through that Holy Spirit that we're able to do things we never thought we'd do. Relationships can be fixed. Marriages can be saved. And our own attitudes and compassion toward others can be changed through the power of the Holy Spirit when it works in our lives. When we allow it to work in our lives, all these amazing things can happen and change. And then it's, it's through that Holy Spirit that we are given a pretty important job. All right, Acts 1, verse 8 says this, But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the, of the earth. So what this is, this is Jesus talking to his disciples right before he ascends to heaven. And he disappears into a cloud. He's giving instructions that those that believe in him, they have a duty. They have a duty to share, to tell others, to let everyone around them know about the love and power of Jesus Christ. So that means we need to be a witness right? If we're going to build this community, if we're going to reach out and build the community of Jesus, we need to be a witness. And being a witness simply means you're telling others something that you experienced. It's as easy as that. But I'm also here to tell you that that is not always very comfortable. All right? Um, Look at Matthew. All right? I, I know we talked about Matthew recently, but Matthew was one of the apostles that followed Jesus. Now, before Jesus called him into the ministry, he was a tax collector. He was, um, not someone that was looked upon in high esteem. All right. Um, people didn't really like Matthew, but, um, uh, but Matthew, you know, he, he had money. And if you, um, if you liked money, then it was, it was great to be a tax collector because tax collectors were all about money. And that's what Matthew was. Matthew was a tax collector, and he probably had a whole bunch of money. He lived it up. In fact, when he meets Jesus, he had this great feast with lots of people in attendance. Those are not cheap to have. And Matthew throws a great feast. That's something that, that rich people did, is they have these rich, giant feasts in their homes. But um, I think what's interesting when when you look at Matthew, uh, if you go to Matthew 9, verse 9, it says this. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. Matthew got up and followed him. So Matthew built up this life. He built up this this comfortable, um, steady income. He built up this this place that he enjoyed being in, no doubt. But he was willing to leave this life that he had built. It was comfortable. It was filled with things that he knew. Now, even though everything we, we know about Matthew, he was not a well-liked, in fact, the verse actually refers to you know him as scum, um, all this was familiar to him right i mean he was he was used to this lifestyle he built up and yet when jesus approached him he got up and he followed jesus now i would i would have to imagine that that was not a comfortable thing for matthew to do but then as a disciple that traveled with jesus that followed him around that learned from him, matthew got to see firsthand how jesus acted around other people how he taught the compassion that he had towards others, the way he carried himself, the way he related to those around him. Matthew got to see all of that firsthand. He was right there when all of this was going on. And so when it came time for his turn to spread the good news of the gospel, he was well prepared because he was right there. He knew how to do it. Now, personally, I think if we're going to spread the news of the gospel, we need to follow Matthew's example. We need to spend time with Jesus. We need to learn from him. We need to let Jesus be our own shining example on, on how to, uh, to to be with others, on how to love others, on how to be the best we can be. So when other people look at this, they're like, yeah, I want that. I want that in my life. You seem to handle things well, you seem to take things on differently. I, I want that. Because a lot of of being a witness to other people is just how you live your life, how you treat others, how you react in certain situations. And if if you don't think people are paying attention to you, you're sadly mistaken. All right. I, I recently had this uh this, this thing that was laid on my heart, and it was it was mind your witness. Right, because because on Sundays when we're in church or when we're around our other, you know, buddies or whatever, we act a certain way. But the truth is, you know, if if we're a disciple of Christ, we should be acting a certain way all the time. All right, because here's the thing: you're not the church when you're at church. When you are out living your life, when you're in the public, when you're doing whatever it is you do, you are the church. You are the example of what someone who follows Jesus looks like. All right. Now earlier I mentioned um that being a witness or or telling others about Jesus isn't always easy. In fact, um, it seems like the closer we are to the person, the harder it becomes. You know, it, it just it just kind of seems that way. But in the end, it's all about stories, right? Matthew had a fantastic story of how Jesus worked in his life and you know what so do you so how has Jesus worked in your life that's what people want to know at the end of it that's what they really want to know all the knowledge all the bible stuff that that that'll come but first and foremost how has Jesus worked in your life where were you before you knew Jesus what happened you know how did you get Jesus in your life and how have you been since then that's what people want to see. That's what they want to know. That's that's the story they want. Now, for me personally, um, my big uh, Jesus moment came when I was at this uh, this great group called the Great Banquet, and I had my eyes open uh, in so many ways for the first time. It was like it was like my eyes were finally open to just how much Jesus truly and honestly loves me. Because I had spent so much of my life, and I'm going to get real for a second here. I have spent so much of my life building walls around myself so no one could get really close to me. And I hid behind this wall because I didn't really feel worthy of love from anyone, let alone Jesus. I bought into that lie. And I'm telling you, that weekend, it was September 2014, those walls came crashing down and it absolutely changed my life. Did it hurt? Did those walls hurt coming down? You better believe it. Um, I didn't even really understand or really even know how to put into words what I was going through, honestly. Um, but there were parts of that weekend I was crying like a baby. I had other guys praying for me, men. I didn't know that just, they knew I was hurting, and they came over, and they laid hands. They prayed for me anyway because they love me like Jesus loves me. And so it was an amazing experience, and I truly felt the love of Jesus. I finally understood it for the first time. So, so while all this is going on, my dad was getting ready um, to have a colonoscopy, All right. So this was in September. Later in that month, my dad was scheduled to get a colonoscopy. Now my dad was convinced. He was absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt. He was convinced that he had colon cancer. He he just he just knew that the doctor would tell him the news and that's all it'd be over. He just he knew he was gonna have colon cancer. So in the meantime, I'm at the great banquet and I'm listening to one of the talks, and i I had this voice, <laughs> and it was like just sitting right next to me, and it was God, and he says, "You need to pray with your dad." and I thought, "All right, I could pray for my dad. <laughs> and it was like almost immediately God's like, "Really?" I said, "You need to pray." With your dad. (sighs) All right, fine. Because here's the thing, man. My dad is... My dad's not the praying type, okay? Um, He's not exactly... He's never put himself... I've never heard him pray out loud in my life. I've never really even seen him pray other than when I am and his head's bowed. I mean, that's that's about it. So, I, I knew... You know, God laid this on my heart. Pray with your dad. So the weekend wraps up. I tell my wife about it. And we make plans to go to my mom and dad's for lunch after church uh, on one Sunday. And it just happened to be the Sunday that fell before his colonoscopy. All right. Um, And. I'm telling you, man, sometimes witnessing to others and doing what God wants you to do is so uncomfortable. So we have lunch. We're getting ready to leave. And I look at my dad, take a deep breath, and I'm like, Dad, is it okay if I pray for you? And he's like, yeah, sure. So we all circled up. It was me and my wife, my two kids, uh, mom and dad. We all hold hands, and I prayed for my dad. I don't even remember (laughs) what I prayed for, but, um, you know, I looked up and, and he had tears coming down his face. My mom had tears coming down her face and, you know, sure enough, later that week he had his test, everything came back fine. He did not have colon cancer, but he was, he was fine. So yeah, that's, that's my story. You know, sometimes (sighs) That's how God works. He lays things on your heart, and it's not the most comfortable of things. Now, that's just one of my stories. You know, I could have told you how Jesus has worked in our marriage, how he's worked in this ministry. But whatever your story is, it's different, but share your story. That's part of being a witness. How has Jesus worked in your life? And when it, when it comes to reaching people that that don't go to church or that have maybe fallen away from church, there's nothing better. There's nothing more powerful than letting them know how your life has been affected on a very personal level by Jesus. And that's one way we can build community. See, we're coming back to this community thing. Building that community by sharing your story with those around you. All right. And that's that's kind of what we'd love to see you do. Because we have this job to do. We have a duty to share the gospel of Jesus with those around you, especially those that don't know Jesus. Maybe have gotten away from church, that have been to church, they've they've been hurt by church in, in some way. You know, invite them to come where you go. You know, I, I don't know, but but go do it. Go out and be a witness. Be someone that's in the church that witnesses, someone that's unafraid and unashamed to share Jesus with other people. In fact, that's something we're kind of commanded to do in Matthew 28 starting with verse 18 it says this, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I, this is Jesus talking, everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age because here's the thing We were never meant to be believers in Christ by ourselves. It is a very personal relationship we have with Jesus, but we are not supposed to do it by ourselves. We need to not keep it inside, not keeping it within the walls that we have built around us. We're meant to share it, to give it to others, just like it was given to us, right? And if you look at the book of Acts in chapter 1, uh, verses 9 through 11, it says this, After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and the cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why do you stand there looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken away from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So why are we just standing here? We have people all around us. We have friends. We have family. We have coworkers that do not know the love Jesus has for each and every one of us. We have work to do. All right. Don't just stand there. Share your story. Share your story with other people. We do have a lot of work to do. All right, so let's get out there and get it done. Would you pray with me? Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for giving us your Holy Spirit. And through that Holy Spirit that we're able to to do things we never thought we'd be able to do things that sometimes aren't comfortable in sharing our story with someone else. But Lord, I pray that we can do that, that we can be unafraid, that we can be unashamed of how you have worked in our lives, that we can stand firm on what you have given us and what you have given us is joy. And what you have given us is, is hope. And what you have given us is an everlasting life in heaven through your sacrifice on the cross for us. And we thank you so much for what you do for us. We thank you so much for the blessings you give us. And I pray that we can do everything we can to bring others to know you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We'll try and do these every single week. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening and God bless.